The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Pels fans, welcome to part two of our Southwest Division preview. Yesterday, I spoke with Memphis Grizzlies expert Mark King, and today we are back at it with Josh Bow, editor at SB Nation's MavsMoneyBall.com. What is up, Josh? Uh, nothing much. Uh, just trying to survive the heat down here in Texas. How are you doing? <laughs> I bet, man. Uh, it's pretty brutal. I'm over in Orlando right now, and we are at a very crisp 84 with a heat index of 94. So that's that's actually honestly a great improvement over uh, our summer. What's it like over there? Oh yeah, it's been it's still high 90s. That sounds like a cold front right now. What do yeah. you got going on over there? Yeah, well, we just had our our first major hurricane of the season, Irma, and uh, yeah. right behind it is. Um... Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell and Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Hurricane Maria and hence all the sound of music and West Side Story jokes that come along with it. But uh, it went from a category one to a category five today. So super thrilled about oh my that. Gosh. I know, man. Tis the season. Thank you for the break. I know. Thank you so much for uh, being here, by the way. Did you get affected at all by uh, Hurricane Harvey? Actually, funny enough, not really. I don't have any family in the Houston area. I'm up in Dallas. But uh, I got married Labor Day weekend. And our honeymoon was out of Galveston, which is you know right south of Houston. Uh, so we actually were kind of this is obviously like on the very bottom of the spectrum of like impact and what actually matters and what's going on in the world. But uh, we were kind of like wondering if our cruise was going to get canceled, so we had to like go on pins and needles and figure out if we were still going to have a honeymoon or not. Obviously, it does not matter near as much as you know people losing their homes and the real problems that are going on, but. I consider myself no. lucky. That was the only thing we had to really worry about. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I am in a very similar situation. I'm getting married uh, in about two and a half weeks, and our honeymoon oh, is in Puerto cool. Rico, and uh, it already got hit by Irma, although just the edges of it. But now Maria is uh, slated to make a dead Category 5 hit through the center of the island. And obviously, like, a honeymoon is not you know, significant in terms of the potential impact it could have on these people, their lives, their island. But it is one of those things where you're selfishly like looking at the, at the radar (laughs) thinking, man, just turn right, just turn right. right. 
Uh, so it's funny that we were in that similar situation, but every everything went off without a hitch in Galveston for you guys on your cruise. Oh yeah, we didn't even notice. Yeah, no problems at all. It was, it, we were pretty lucky. That's awesome, man. Uh, thank you so much again. We are less than a month away from basketball. Are you excited? Oh man, it feels. I feel like I never even got a break with the way the NBA. There's just something happening every new every week. It, it's just crazy. Can't believe it's already jumped up on us. It's it's really turned into a 12-month sport, especially for the Pelicans. Obviously, this podcast is going to be about the Mavericks. But uh, just with the, the late signing of Drew Holiday, then Rajon Rondo, then Ian Clark, Darius Miller, and now just today uh, it was announced that Dante Cunningham has elected to sign with the Pelicans. So you're absolutely right. There just never is uh, – Plus, we have this Kevin Durant scandal. We've got the Kyrie Irving trade. Like, it just never slows down. And now we're about a week and a half away from training camp. So there went the offseason. I hope you enjoyed it while it lasted. Yeah, but, I got uh, to put up my feet for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, let's get started. The Mads had a, had a pretty disappointing season last year, finishing 33-49. and 49, Good for 11th in the Western Conference. Just uh, one game back of our 10th slated Pelicans. Uh, future Hall of Famer Dirk Nowitzki limited to 54 games due to a sore Achilles. And uh, the Mavs fell in the ninth spot in the draft where they selected Dennis Smith Jr. So that was a win. Talk about last season and uh, what the expectations are going into training camp this upcoming season. It was such a weird year because it was their worst year in 17 seasons. Um, the worst year in the Dirk era, really. Uh and it was kind of didn't know how to feel. Kind of, it was just such an awkward thing. Uh, a lot of Mavs fans aren't used to that. Uh, I know a lot of them grew up uh, when the team uh, was pretty terrible in the '90s. But there are a lot of fans that grew up watching. You know, only went around Mark Cuban bought the team, and uh, it's crazy to think that you know, 17 years. You know, there are people graduating high school and they've never seen a, a bad Mavericks year, so to speak. So uh, it it was weird. Uh, it was kind of expected uh, the way they've kind of been petering out every off season since the title team. Uh, we were kind of waiting for it to catch up to them, um, but they kind of lucked out. They the way they've acquired so many young and talented players within the span of about 12 to 18 months. Um, they're kind of ahead of schedule. Uh, usually, these rebuilding processes take years, and sometimes even then, it doesn't. You know, you don't get the players that you want, or you don't. You know, really have a core you can build around. But in about 18 months, you know, they've got what they think is going to be their point guard of the future. That could be a potential All Star in Dennis Smith. Uh, they've got what I hope is a franchise linchpin defensive anchor in New Orleans Noel. He's 23. And then, you know, Harrison Barnes is going to be their go-to scorer for the next couple of years as well. So they got really lucky. It's the expectations for this year. They're not high. Uh, we feel like the team could be better than last year's team. But since the West got so much better, they might finish with the same amount of wins or even less, even though they might be a better team than last year's team. Uh, so I think everyone, the expectations aren't really wins and losses. It's more just people are excited to see a potential, you know, rookie of the year and what should be the most athletic Mavs roster in some time. Yeah, those are a great group of young guys. Harrison Barnes, of course, last year signed that four-year $95 million deal away from the Warriors when they opted to go. Kevin Durant, of course, who wouldn't. And uh, Nerland Noel on his qualifying offer. But uh, other than these three guys who you've gotten in the past year to six months' time, the Mavs have been pretty quiet as far as I know, other than the qualifying offer extended and accepted by Nerlens Noel, the drafting of Dennis Smith, which you just mentioned. The Mavs haven't done uh, a whole lot to improve the roster to my eyes beyond your starters. Obviously, you have one of the best coaches in the game in Rick Carlisle, but uh, Mavericks fans, do they expect to, to move the win total into the 40s and compete in an ever-growing conference with the moves made this season, or do you think there are still moves yet to be made? 
Uh, I think there are moves yet to be made in the sense that they're saving their cap spaces here for something. I'm not sure if it's for a big trade uh, midseason uh, with the way the cap is kind of uh, been funky uh, this year, being uh, smaller than uh, everyone expected. So teams are a little cap-strapped right now after the spending bonanza uh, summer ago. So I think they're going to try to be opportunistic with some teams that might be having some regrets with some of the contracts they handed out. Maybe they can pounce on something like that. Otherwise, they're saving it up for summer 2018. And for that, it could be anything. Uh, Seth Curry is up. DeMarcus Cousins, obviously, <laughs> related to y'all, DeMarcus Cousins is up. Uh, they could go in uh, uh, various number of directions. We're not sure. Uh, as far as, you know, trying to creep into the 40s with fans' expectations, there are, of course, you know, the, some of the optimistic fans that are in love with Dennis Smith after the Summer League and think, you know, anything could happen with him. Uh, he's the most athletic point guard the Mavericks have had in seemingly forever. When you go down the list of their opening day starting point guards uh, in the last 10 years, uh, Smith is really in a category of his own in terms of just athleticism, youth, speed, energy, and skill set. Uh, it's just quite different than what they've had in years past with Darren Williams, Jason Terry, Jason Kidd, those kind of guys. So there's a there's the optimistic outlook that maybe uh, with some continuity, with a lot of uh, with not a lot of roster turnover, uh, with young guys hopefully progressing naturally, Barnes getting better, Noel getting better. Uh, Yogi Ferrell getting better, Dorian Finney-Smith getting better. You just hope those guys naturally improve with uh, experience and a full offseason with the team and a full training camp. Um, it wouldn't – I guess it would surprise me. I guess it wouldn't shock me if they crept up and grabbed that eighth seed if one of uh, the West teams uh, that are expected to make a step up disappoint, like a Denver, like a Minnesota, like a, like a Portland, Utah. You know, one of those teams, if they take a step back by for any reason – uh, I guess it wouldn't shock me if the Mavs uh, grabbed that eighth seed, but I, I wouldn't say that the overall expectations are are that. They're more just let's see how much fun we can have uh, with this uh, core of Smith, Noel, and Barnes. Uh, talk a bit about some of those other players you were talking about, like uh, Finney Smith and Jeff Withy. Uh, most diehard Pelicans fans will will recognize uh, some of your bench guys like Devin Harris, uh, Dwight Powell, Yogi Ferrell, although I guess Dwight Powell's a starter and uh, even former uh, Hornet, which I just mentioned, Jeff Withy. But the, the Mavs bench is is also littered with some names Pels fans might not recognize. Talk about your team's depth, depth and who Pelicans fans can expect to see with those second units. Uh, well, like you said, it's going to be mainly a, vet, a veteran-laden bench. Uh, J.J. Barea, uh, Devin Harris, uh, Yogi Ferrell, uh, who just was incredible find, uh, just free money, found money kind of with him. Uh, Dwight Powell, like you said, uh, they've got their bench is actually pretty experienced. Dorian Finney-Smith will come back and hopefully improve his jumper because they are really short on wings, which I know you guys can kind of relate to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's just not a lot of wing depth, especially when Barnes plays up the position. He plays the four. They're going to need uh, a lot more out of Dorian Finney-Smith. They're going to need uh, a lot more out of Wesley Matthews. Uh, hopefully he gets a little bit better. He just says just not looked right since that Achilles injury. Um, there's a hope that with uh, the point guard situation pretty settled with Dennis Smith, Yogi Ferrell, Devin Harris, JJ Barea, that West won't be asked to try to do too much like he did last year. He was kind of out of his comfort zone having with all the injuries. So maybe he'll be better. Um, but yeah, the bench, uh, it should be somewhat of a bright spot since they've got guys coming back that played big minutes 
Uh, Yogi Ferrell was a starter for a lot of last year, so that's a really big uh, boost for them. Uh, backup point guard is really tough. If you look around the league, it's tough to it's tough to fill that void, and they've got Berea, Farrell, and Devin Harris can play point guard as well. So I think that's going to be a strength for them uh, going into this year, especially with their bench. Uh, talk talk a little bit more about individual matchups now that we have an idea of your roster and your second unit and how specifically they're going to match up with the Pelicans. Uh, we don't even know who's going to be on the floor ourselves yet. There's such a, a an interesting mishmash of players that Dell Demps has brought in this season. As far as we know, Rajon Rondo, Drew Holiday, Boogie Cousins, and Anthony Davis are our starters. And at that three, it could be some blend of Dante Cunningham, who we signed today, or Darius Miller, or even Etwan Moore or Ian Clark. So we don't actually know what our lineup is gonna gonna look like. But as far as you guys go, uh, you've got Nerlens Noel, who seems like a, a proper potential foil potentially for Anthony Davis, similar uh, styles and body types. But uh, how does Dirk Nowitzki uh, match up against Boogie? And do you think Smith can give Rondo fits? Uh, he's a more athletic, uh, quick point guard, like you said. And also, what do you expect uh, of the Wesley Matthews versus Drew Holiday matchups? Yeah, uh, I definitely think when you compare these two teams going to head-to-head, the big thing is uh, y'all's Twin Tower lineup with uh, Davis and uh, Boogie. Uh, the Mavs, even with Dirk, even with the Dirk Noel front court, uh, that's pretty thin. Uh, Dirk held his own at center last year, uh, but he is not a you know staunch defender at this age in his career. And Nerlens Noel, well, he's one of the most versatile defenders in the league, and I love what he brings as a rim protector, shot blocker, uh, pick and roll defender. He's pretty slight. Uh, so even if even if it's Boogie or if it's Davis, uh, I think that matchup is going to be tough for the Mavs to kind of keep those guys off the boards, out of the paint. Uh, they can really rough the Mavs up there a lot. They can ugly the game up. They can uh, kind of pick them apart in the post. Uh, that's one of Noel's you know weak spots last year was anytime he went up against a beefier center like a DeAndre Jordan, a Marc Gasol, someone who had a significant weight advantage on him, uh, they kind of ate him up a little bit. Um, so it'll be up to Noel to kind of adjust and use his strengths, you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum. You know, when Dirk is out of the lineup, the Mavs can have some pretty fast lineups that they can try to run uh, run by, you know, the Davis boogie lineups. But, you know, Davis is, Anthony Davis is so versatile. I mean, he could he covers so much ground that that might not even matter. <laughs> but uh, with Wes uh, in the backcourt, uh, defensively they should be strong. Um Dennis Smith Jr. kind of gets a break with Rondo since Rondo, he can kind of cheat off Rondo. And then you hope Wes, uh, who should be their best perimeter defender, can match up with a quality player like Drew Holiday. Um, I feel like the bench might be where it would come into a factor. Uh, I kind of like the Mavs bench compared to the y'all's, I guess, just from a standpoint of experience. I know you, your y'all's bench has a little bit of turnover and uh, the wing depth can be a little bit of a problem, but uh I think the big matchup is the front courts, uh, depending on if they play Dirk and Noel together, uh, even if they play uh, Barnes and Noel, just either way, the Pelicans are just going to have such a huge size advantage that that's going to be tough for the Mavs to overcome. Uh, something I was going to mention is uh, the Pelicans did just, uh, as I've mentioned three times now, uh, brought Dante Cunningham uh, in, who can give minutes at the three and the four, but the Pelicans are kind of uh, smallish when it comes to a, a, a backup big uh, they've got Alexi Agensa, who we don't know how much we'll see of him. He's regressed in Alvin Gentry's lineups. Omar Ashik, who's probably not going to play at all this season, hasn't really recovered from the flu-like symptoms he experienced in Mexico in February. Other than that, we've got Czech Diallo, who is gifted uh, 
on the offensive end, but as far as on the defensive end, other than offering some shot blocking, he really doesn't have a whole lot of awareness. Is there is there any chance that you guys would run a front line of Dwight Powell and Nerlens Noel, bring Dirk Nowitzki off the bench, and just have him hammer our second unit? There's been a lot of talk about Dirk potentially coming off the bench, especially uh, when they were big players in free agency the last couple of years. And there was talk of, you know, they met with LaMarcus Aldridge, who plays Dirk's position. And Dirk has gone on the record as saying, you know, he'll he'll come off the bench if he if need be. Uh, if they somehow signed another star at his position, if they signed in LaMarcus Aldridge, if they would have traded for a Kevin Love or something crazy like that. When the Mavs, that was the Mavs' big offseason goal every year for the last couple of years. But now I think he's still going to start, um, if only because the alternatives aren't, you know, that much better. Uh, Harrison Barnes' best position is the four. Uh, but with Dirk healthy, I think just kind of as a respect showing they're going to let Dirk start. And then there's also the other end of the spectrum. Uh, Dirk has brought this up as well. Uh, he kind of needs to start if possible, because just at his age, he talks about uh, it's not good for him to warm up, go through all the pregame routine and then sit on, sit on the bench and get cold, so to speak for, five or six minutes or however long it is, then try to warm back up, get back into the game. Uh, he, His preparation is kind of intense in the way he has to get his legs ready and get his body right before every game at such an advanced age for an NBA player uh, like himself and a big. So that would be possible. I could see that mean more over the course of a game, in-game adjustments, that kind of lineup with Dwight Powell or Harrison Barnes playing next to Noel. But as far as terms of starting the game, I think Dirk's going to be the starter. Uh, just because I think it'll be easier on his body. And that's kind of what the Mavs are trying to do this year, is just maximize as uh, however much they can get out of him, uh, limit his minutes, try to keep him as fresh as possible. Yeah, and he's at an important threshold. I wanted to mention he's entering his 20th season, and he trails yeah. Will Chamberlain for the fifth spot in the all-time scoring circle. Last season, he was still uh, pretty effective. He was uh, he put in 14-7 and seven in just 26 minutes a game. And he got 30,000 career points. And I also want to mention that I got all this information from MavsMoneyBall.com, <laughs> where Josh is the editor. Um, and you've addressed a little bit about what we can expect to see from him. Uh, as as far as I can tell right now, just on, on talking to you, the Pelicans have a lot of advantages in this matchup. But one where you guys probably have a pretty definitive one is, as you mentioned, Harrison Barnes. I think he put something up like 16-5 and five last season. But with a, with a bigger role, it seemed like he he thrived pretty well in Dallas. Uh, what kind of defender does Harrison like to take advantage of? And is this an opportunity where Harrison Barnes could could go off and, and punish the Pelicans? Or do you think that's something that Dennis Smith will need to do? Oh, uh, for Barnes, it's all about uh, finding a size mismatch. Um, since he played a majority of his time at the four last year, anytime he got a traditional four or a bigger four, a stretch four, just any type of post player or big, uh, he relished that. He took him out. He feels very comfortable taking those players off the dribble, uh, facing up, hitting his pet uh, pull-up, dribble jump shots. He was very good in isolation last year. And then on the other end of the spectrum, the Mavs would run him through some pick and rolls, try to get some switches like they would do with Dirk, uh, and try to get Barnes on a smaller defender, maybe get him on a a three or a two, a smaller three or a smaller two and let him go to work in the post. You know, maybe try to run a, a pick and roll, uh, try to get a point guard on him, do something like that, take that player into the post. And he's very comfortable in the post, uh, backing down players and hitting that turnaround jumper. So 
uh, with the Pelicans going with Rondo and Drew Holiday in the starting lineup, I wouldn't be surprised if the Mavs tried to use Harrison Barnes as a screener, try to engineer some switches to where Holiday or Rondo would get on him and then kind of go to work that way, even though Holiday's a pretty good defender and has pretty good size for a point guard. And I think that would be uh, ideal. That's kind of their bread and butter right now. Um, if you talking to Barnes last year, he learned a lot from Dirk in terms of being a screen setter and uh, attacking mismatches when uh, opposing defenses would switch. So I think that's kind of the route they would go. Dennis Smith Jr., it's kind of hard to tell. He's such a wild card since he's a rookie, um, especially going against Rondo and Holiday. And even though I've got my uh, uh, my hot opinions on Rondo's ability in the modern NBA, you know, he's still a, a veteran who knows what he's doing. Uh, he, spent, he always seems to be good against former teams as well since he pretty much memorizes playbooks. Uh, so that, I think that would be kind of a tougher matchup for Smith since Rondo and Holiday provides a lot of length kind of in the backcourt. Uh, those are two bigger guards, uh, at least in terms of matching up with Smith. I guess it's probably been about three years, but if you don't mind, kind of share some of your experiences of Rajan Rondo uh, and kind of the flashes <laughs> he either did or did not show. Just just give us your hot take on what you think <laughs> Pelicans fans can expect this season. Uh, they can expect someone who doesn't like to shoot in the paint, can't hit free throws, uh, is perhaps an overrated defender. Uh, it's hard to say because his time in Dallas was just so disastrous. Just nothing went right. Um, that trade pretty much not only did it tank uh, what was a pretty you know good year they were having. They were on a you know mid fifties, high fifty win pace when they traded for Rondo. And then they finished barely, you know, right at 50 wins. Uh, he tanked their season and he tanked kind of their future moves. That was their kind of all-in move. Uh, they had a pretty good bench. They had some assets at the time. Uh, and they could make one big trade to kind of push that 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 roster over the hump. You know, they were trying to look for an all-star. And they, they got Rondo. And they that kind of limited their ability to make moves in the future. So there's just a lot of animosity when it comes to Rondo. Because not only did he play horribly in Dallas, fit terribly um he also hindered the franchise for the next couple of years in terms of the moves they were able to make since they got rid of you know they uh traded a first round pick they traded jerry crowder uh they traded brandon wright and i know he's been injured but at the time he was a huge part of the, the maverick success and what they like to do so it's it's tough to kind of be uh objective when it comes to rondo uh he played a lot better in chicago especially in that playoffs it seemed kind of crazy to think that he was the reason chicago lost that series to the celtics uh earlier this year because his time in dallas was just a disaster just the way he cramped the floor uh with his inability to shoot and uh the way he likes to kind of run an offense just clashed with rick carlisle who is very controlling and likes to call plays uh, so it was just it was bad all around. It should be better in New Orleans because uh, I think uh, you know uh, it just should be better with Alvin Gentry. I don't think he has much of a control freak as Rick Carlisle can be at times. So it should be a little bit easier. But then again, there's a reason this is his what Dallas, Sacramento, Chicago, New Orleans. This is his fourth team in about four or five years, and there's pretty good reason for that. I think. Yeah, it's difficult to put your finger on it from a Pelicans fan's perspective because he was Boogie's best friend. Boogie called him an older brother in Sacramento. He was uh, pretty mediocre to below average during the regular season in Chicago, but then they voted him the best teammate. Meanwhile, two years prior in Dallas, they voted him out of playoff shares and kind of uh, faked an injury just so he couldn't see the court. So uh, it's, it's difficult to know what to expect. Let's get back to Harrison Barnes. 
for a moment because he is my big concern coming up in these four matchups. Do you think he is capable of reaching all-star status this season? I don't know about this season. That'll be pretty tough because the West is just insane. Um, just It's just hard to make it even when you are deserving. Uh, and with Barnes, he passed the first step last year, which was how is he going to respond to a gigantic uh, increase in role and usage? In Golden State, he was the fourth option. And he shot pretty well, but he was the fourth option. He was playing next to two of the greatest shooters in the league. You know, he, if you almost were wondering, well, if he shot 38% from three in Golden State with as much room in the world, you know, how is he going to shoot in Dallas where it's a worse roster? He's the man. He's putting up more shots. And he passed the test. You know, he shot well. His uh, efficiency didn't go, didn't drop off that far off from his Golden State days, and his usage went way through the roof. Uh, so he passed the first test. He showed that, you know, he can be an effective player, an effective scorer. Uh, as a first option. Now he needs to kind of diversify his game and and really solidify himself as the number one option. Uh, he needs to get to the free throw line more. He needs to, he doesn't necessarily need to be a high usage creator like a Kevin Durant, LeBron, uh, James Hart. He doesn't need to be that tier, but he just needs to be able to take advantage of the extra tension that's going to be coming his way now that the scouting report is really nailed down on him. So he needs to be able to make better passes. He needs to be able to make his teammates better now. That's kind of the next step. But doesn't necessarily mean he needs to be uh, throwing seven, eight, nine assists per game. He just needs to be able to make the right reads and then be able to get to the free throw line more just so he can uh, consistently generate more points. And that's kind of the next step. If he can do that, then, yeah, he'll be an all-star. It seems kind of absurd to think he'll do that just the way his career has gone on. But, you know, he proved a lot that first year. So if he makes uh, the same amount of improvements this offseason as he did the previous one, you know, I guess he could get to that level. Uh, but that's, def- that's what he needs to do. And if he can do that, then he- he'll be an all-star player. So we just need to kind of see if he can make another jump. He made a jump last year. He needs to make another one this year. Uh, this will be our last question. I think I already know the answer to this, but I, I, I'm still gonna I'm still gonna ask it. You mentioned earlier about the financial flexibility that the Mavericks have going into next offseason. In in a league that uh, is pretty void of uh, cap flexibility at this moment, the cap is expected to rise five million dollars. But with that being said, no one or very few teams are expected to have the flexibility that the Mavericks are next season. And we've got free agents coming to light like Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, LeBron, Paul George, Russell Westbrook. Um, and the Mavs could be one of the teams that that targets these players. Uh, we've seen Mark Cuban chase them in the past with, like you said, Aldridge and and Mello. And uh, Noel has his qualifying offer, but uh, unless he's signed to a lucrative contract and Matthews uh, Wesley Matthews exercised his player option, you guys might be in a in a prime uh, situation. Is there any chance? I know the answer is probably no. Rick Carlisle, you guys always play to win, but is there any chance the Mavericks tru- choose to trade one or both these players? pump the season, target a lottery pick, and go after a high-priced free agent next offseason. Which players are you th- Are you talking about, like, uh, trading Wes midseason? Uh, if you could dump Wesley Matthews, I know he's somebody that a lot of teams could use, especially if he comes out and plays well. Um, and also, uh, Nerlens Noel is someone who a lot of teams would be interested in. I don't know right. about uh, Dwight Powell, but uh, those two moves alone, I think, get you to – uh, I don't know, 50 or $60 million in cap room, close enough to 
to pick up two guys like a Paul George and a Russell Westbrook. Is there any hope the Pels have that you guys could just punt this season and just give us four <laughs> easy wins? No, I don't think so. Uh, oh, my gosh. Dogs are going crazy. Oh, no, I've got my dog right next to me as well, and I'm so <laughs> proud of him for being so well-behaved. <laughs> well, uh, definitely they're not going to punt. Um, I don't think they're going to go all in. You know, they might. They're, I think they're going to kind of do what they did last year where they don't necessarily – they'll accept a top-10 pick, but they'll fight until – till the end and they won't necessarily make hasty decisions for the short term uh just to get there but if they can get there you know they're not going to sit guys they're not going to trade guys um Wes is a big uh sore spot a lot of fans are ready to move on uh, from his contract uh, it, it makes sense but just the way the Mavs think I don't think they'll do it they love Wes Mark Cuban loves Wes Rick Carl loves Wes they love him I think almost more for his the stuff he does off the court that he does on it, just in terms of being a veteran presence, a veteran leader. Uh, like I said, last year was the worst Mavs season in 17 years. And when you went into the locker, you know, I got to go into the locker room about eight or 10 games. When you went in there, it got a little dreary, but Wes consistently would repeat to reporters after every game, you know, we're a good team. I believe in us. We're going to make a run. We're going to do this. And I think it rubbed off a little bit. The, it was very – there were points last year where that locker room could have been lost and that season could have just been an utter disaster and they could have finished even higher you know, higher in the lottery. But I think Wes's attitude is infectious and it rubs off a little bit. And with the young with the young guys they got on this team, uh, Carl, Carlisle and Cuban believe in culture and they believe in setting the right example. And that's so hard to judge as an outsider because we can't quantify it with data or statistics, but it seems to make an impact, you know, going into that locker room, you know, it didn't feel like a, you know, ninth draft pick, you know, top 10 draft pick sort of team, you know, it, it kind of, it felt like, you know, the years past where they were a playoff team. And I think that has a lot to do with Wes and Dirk and Devin Harris and Berea. I think the Mavs like that. They like giving, you know, Barnes, Smith, Noel, they like giving them uh, some guidance, and I that's why I don't think they'll do it. Dwight Powell, however, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to get off that contract uh, just with, you know, so many years left on it, and he really was kind of inconsistent in the rotation last year, so I would be surprised to move him. In terms of the offseason, my worry is they're going to try to go for, they're going to spurn Noel and try to go for Boogie or go for another big free agent. Uh, if you, like you said, you've been following the Mavs, paying attention to what they do. They have not landed a top free agent any year that they've tried to go after one. So uh, I'm hoping that they stick with the core of Smith, Barnes, Noel. I hope they re-sign Noel. I want Noel to be a Maverick for the next 10 years because I think he's a great player, and I think he's perfect for the, the new NBA that we have with small ball and switching and defensive versatility and rim protection and being a rim runner. That kind of stuff you need out of your fives these days. Um, so I think the Mavericks are going to – they're going to try. They might not be better than last year, um, but I don't think they're going – I, I don't think there's a chance you're going to see them trade away key pieces or starters uh, just to try to get a top five pick. Thank you so much for your time, Josh. Again, you guys can follow him at JoshBow55 and read his work at MavsMoneyBall.com where he is the editor. Josh. 
tell our listeners, if you would, where they can learn more about your team and prepare for our first matchup on Friday, November 3rd. Yeah, definitely. MazMoneyBall.com. Uh, we're rolling out our uh, player previews uh, this week and the next week. Uh, we'll be breaking down every single player that's going to be uh, on the roster this year to give you the lowdown and kind of get you up to speed for what's going on this year. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Uh, thanks so much, man. Uh, I, I hope we can build on this and I can reach out to you early in November and possibly do this again and maybe recap that first matchup and obviously the three that follow it from time to time. Uh, it would be really cool to build this relationship and just keep this information chain going. Yeah, for sure. That sounds great to me. Cool. Thank you to our listeners. This has been part two of the Southwest Division preview. We still have the Spurs and the Rockets on the docket, uh, so don't go anywhere. And also, we're going to be discussing the Dante Cunningham signing at some point in the next two days. And as always, please, please, please retweet, share, go on iTunes, give us a five-star rating. We appreciate it so much, and we appreciate you guys. But for now, let's go, pals. Now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to GEICO. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance.